1: Welcome to the Two Nories Podcast, this is Season 2 and today we have a very special guest, uh, Rebecca Donnelly. She works in uh, Waterford in a place called Inner Mastery and they help people with uh, different issues, traumas, um, anxieties, depression and they use plant medicines to help them. So I'm going to introduce you to Rebecca and she can tell you a little bit about Inner Mastery. Uh, the different forms of uh, plant medicines they have down here down there and the help which is very important how people get a benefit from these uh plant medicines and we'll maybe speak a little bit about um how they are legalized within this country and within the, the population of the what plant medicine uh, around the world or whatever so mm-hmm. i'm just going to introduce it to rebecca and Take off. <laughs> thanks, Rebecca.
2: Hello, um, thanks for having me. Um, so I'm I'm part of an organisation called the Beyond Dinner Global Movement, and um, the, it's kind of a uh, quite a few organisations that are all um, working together in different forms of supporting people, I suppose, to live their best life. Mm-hmm. Really, in a nutshell, and. Those people can come from all walks of life, all areas of um, trauma, basically. You know, um, be those major traumas or minor traumas. They're actually, the traumas are, are creating an effect in us that can cause blockages to the um to our potential you Mm -hmm. know blockages Mm -hmm. to even knowing that there is any better potential for me to live you know a lot of people live in a certain level of happiness let's say and are content with that and that's generally because they don't believe they're worthy of anything better you know so these um incidents or traumas or the experiences that we have during early childhood um cause an effect within us which we then live our life from those effects so a lot of the work that we're doing in Beyond Inner and in Inner Mastery I'll explain the, the difference in a moment but the major work that we're doing really is to identify where we're living our lives from and being aware of the fact that the effect of experiences, environments, traumas don't have to be leading our life, that we can be aware of these, transcend the need for those, understand them, comprehend that this was not me, this was something from the external that came into my life, affected me, and caused this long-term effect. And I don't need to live from that space anymore because underneath it, I'm a pure innocent being that deserves joy, happiness, love, bliss, uh, peace, you know. Mm. Um, So Inner Mastery is a branch of the Beyond Inner global movement. Uh, Beyond Inner has um, organizations in sort of 30 countries throughout the world, one of which is Ireland. And, and Ireland is a very important um, part of that. So inner mastery is the branch of beyond inner that holds retreats. So that's where we are um, in Waterford. So um,
1: do you know these retreats, uh, Rebecca? Sorry to interrupt you. Um, can anybody go there? Do you know?
2: Absolutely. Anybody, anybody who... Um, you know, we get a lot of people that are searching for spiritual enlightenment, searching for themselves, searching for answers um, as to, you know, why they have. You know, I get, I have many people call me that say, do you know what? I've worked my whole life. I have everything. I have a great job. I have a house, a car, 2.2 kids, a dog, a cat everything i is there i have loving family i'm just not happy what is what else is there what could it be so we have people from that mm-hmm. circumstance let's say that say you know there's some underlying unhappiness sadness within me that's bringing me back into depression or, f- or you know giving me anxiety about the future and I cannot understand it. And they can come for seeking answers to that. And then maybe this is the other end of the spectrum or just another um, area of of people that, that are interested in retreats. So let's say the other end of the spectrum is um, people that are suffering with addiction. And of course, many times along with addiction comes Crime, you know, self hatred, self sabotage, you know, and um, the and the whole idea of, um, you know, that I know that you talked you're about bad. in your own thing. Yeah. It's an escape. The drugs yeah. are an escape, and um, you're escaping from yourself actually, mm. as well as just life in general. But it's an escape from uh, circumstances, an escape from feelings. Escape from taking responsibility for your life. Um, And one of the medicines that we use that we've had a lot of success with um, all types of addictions, substance addiction, and also behavioral addictions, you know, the addiction to people, please, the addiction to... um, to try to get some sort of acknowledgement mm. and recognition from others. Those are all addictions that lead our, our um, behaviours in our life, you know. Uh, but anyway, the, the medicine that we use uh, most successfully with uh, addictions such as heroin, opiates, mainly heroin and, and cocaine, the best medicine is iboga.
1: Where does uh,
2: iboga come from? It comes from the root of a tree. Uh, in, in, in Africa, this certain tree that grows in Africa and they just take the root and it's literally um, the, bar, the, the the root of the tree ground down. It's like a sawdust and we make a tea from that. Now, just to clarify, it's, it's different to many people may have heard of Ibogaine. And there would be clinics that are um, using Ibogaine to support people with addiction. Mm. And it can also be successful. Um, what ibogaine is is basically the chemical form of iboga. It's
3: like a synthetic version. Like a
2: yeah. synthetic form. Like they take the parts of iboga that they that the scientists have decided are the parts that work, and um, we don't use synthetic ibogaine. We prefer to use the natural plant root because there may i mean for one reason because it's natural but for another reason because maybe there's other parts of it that are benefiting the people that we don't know about scientifically do you know who knows let's just take the the natural thing
3: um it's like goes back to that thing where you know, if you have a piece of fruit and we're so quick to juice the fruit to get the juice out of the fruit but we miss all the goodness amongst the, the, the fibre the the substance yeah. like that's also important as well. It's not just the juice even though the juice is nice. Yeah. I think that's kinda of what you're getting Great at. Great analogy, maybe, yeah. Maybe theoretically all we need is this small bit of chemical compound, but maybe the stuff that we can't explain that's integral to the whole process yeah. as well.
2: Yeah. But the other side of it is um that our method of support is about giving the power back to the individual that needs to do the work themselves. It's not about, come here, I'm going to heal you with the use of this plant medicine. Um, you just give yourself over to me and I'll do everything and help you and get you clean. Mm-hmm. That's not the method you know, or, the, or the ideology that we use. Do you know
3: if I'm um, an opiate addict, and I was once upon a time... Um, and I want to come to you for help, or if I'm um, depressed, even though I have everything I ever wanted, and I go to you, is it the same treatment?
2: Exactly. Exactly the And
3: same. Ha- Like, let's say, let's say I'm the addict, right? Um, and I'm very sick, and I've tried treatment centers, and methadone, and all these therapies didn't work for me, and I come down to you, what am I faced when I arrive? What's the process? How does it help me? Um, and if you could explain that, please.
2: Okay um the first thing to to um explain is that for the use of iboga there is um a relationship that needs to be built up before arriving so like each person that wants to come to a retreat has a personal advisor and that person is going to build some sort of relationship as much as possible before the decision is made to come um for, for safety reasons and for also, you know, I personally don't want to bring somebody to build up their hopes to come mm. and take this medicine, spend their money on the retreat and not get the full benefit. And if they're not ready to give up their lifestyle that they're living and the addiction and they're doing it for somebody else, it's never going to work no matter what. What we give them or what we do to support them, and I think you know that from all, yeah. you yeah. know, therapies that are that are supporting people with addiction. Unless that person makes that decision, it's not going to happen. So it's very important we get to that, through past that, you know, through that conversation. Let's say, yeah. um, it's also um, for safety reasons. Um, important that we discuss the fact that what's actually happening on a neuroplastic level during the, the iboga experience is that um, the receptors in the brain are being cleaned. So just for anybody that doesn't uh, quite understand how opiates work there are receptors in the brain that receives the opiates the heroin and the, the cocaine for example. And when the first time a person takes heroin, that uh, the receptors sort of have a film left on them of the opiate. And this film that's left on these receptors is the, what is causing the body to ask for more.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. But it's also blocking the receptors with this film. So it means that you need more than you used last time in order to get the same result okay the same effect so what is happening when somebody takes iboga these receptors are washed clean brand new so there is no physical need for the body to receive more opiates it's not asking for it anymore you know and that's why the withdrawals like normal cold turkey withdrawals might be three to six months of pain, agony, all the the rest of it, uh, through the use of iboga, we find that the really bad um, withdrawals lasts about twenty four hours. Mm. That that aching muscle pain that they it's a huge difference, though, go through twenty four hours to six months. So they, you know
1: they're basically left over after that. They're left with the behaviours really, and exactly. the actual routine of their normal addiction yeah. life so um,
2: rehabilitation can occur after yeah, yeah but the actual you know healing from the addiction or preventing you from physically needing that drug again can happen in 24 48 hours you know and then it's up to to you And this is why it's so important that they make the decision before they come that yes this is it i'm finished with my life the way it is now, and I'm ready for change. Because, this is the important part that I was saying about safety, those receptors are now clean. Say that person um, was taking 50 ml of methadone a day. If they, after using iboga, go back and drink 50 ml of methadone, they're going to overdose,
0: mm.
2: pretty much, Surely. Because like the same yeah. amount yeah. Yeah. Is, is now, gonna, there's no film there to block it on those receptors. So the same amount of heroin, methadone, cocaine is going to overdose them.
3: Can I elaborate on that? You Just Because this has actually been shown in some prisons in Ireland and treatment centres. And I think it's a very important point. When you're away from drugs like opiates for a period of time, like what you're saying, your receptors can Clean. cleanse themselves. Yeah. So when you get out, there's nothing blocking the receptors, so what you took before you went into treatment or prison will kill you stone dead exactly. when you get out.
2: So we explain this to people very clearly. It's a it's a it's a really important point. Yeah. And it's why the the pre retreat process is so important to make sure that the person that we're going to share this medicine with is ready for change. It's vital, really.
1: It's vital. Like, it's like when somebody hits the rock bottom, really. They have. Um, they, they know like, that there's no way back, only just up. You have to take yourself up. And that's what I'm getting from it. It's, it's like somebody knows that they're ready to stop, but they're not willing to hit that last, Peace and they go for this because they know they're just ready. It sounds like a fantastic um, way of 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 people getting free from all these different substances and stuff. Why why do you think it's not something that um, is used clinically, like by by governments or, or say?
2: Because they would want us to use ibogaine. Okay. That because this pharmaceutical company that's getting paid for making yeah,
1: it. spoke the money.
2: But iboga. It's a natural remedy that, you know, in my view is better than the, the synthetic um, ibogaine. Although I have, I will say I don't have any experience of ibogaine. I only have experience of iboga. But I've seen it work. Mm-hmm. I've seen the miracles happen. I've, we've had in the last um, six months, No, maybe the last 12 months now, because I'm forgetting about the lockdown period when we didn't obviously have any retreats happening. Uh, But in the last 12 months, we have successfully supported six long-term heroin addicts. I mean, for more than 20 years, they had been using heroin and methadone and everything else. You know what it's like. If you Mm. can't get heroin, you're going to take pills, ketamine, MDMA uh a lot of people are taking um, Lyrica as a street drug. Yeah. and
3: Pregnabolin uh, or something like that's called. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: And um, that is a terrible terror. The withdrawals from that are really, really bad. I have supported a few people with it um, successfully, but mm. it's worse than the heroin addiction. And that's marketed withdrawal.
3: as a non-addictive alternative to benzodiazepines, to Lyrica, which is totally not true, like... So people do get messed up on that as well. Yeah.
2: It's yeah, I'm finding it um people really in a in a terrible mm. situation with pills as well as these, you know, sort of class yeah. A you know, drugs mm. that we're used to working with, but what I'm finding is that, you know, most people in that um state of thinking where they don't love themselves, they don't find themselves worthy, they don't really care if this is going to OD them. Mm they're going to take whatever it they need to take in order to get through the moments of difficulty in life that they don't have the tools
1: mm.
2: to get themselves through that the only way they know is to cover it up and escape mm. you know we so i sorry Tim I just want to say that yeah. the the answer to your question about when they come through the door what they're going to receive is a hug full of love
1: mm.
2: because that's that's actually what they're missing
3: yeah, it comes across really strong there. It's not just go down and take the 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 iboga. There's a whole process Absolutely. towards it. There's relationships formed. And yes. it's really about the well-being of that person. And if that person isn't the right fit, they don't command a retreat. And if they are, they do command a retreat. And then the rehab starts afterwards. It's not a quick fix. No. There's still a whole rehabilitation process that has to occur for somebody to maintain long-term recovery. That's
2: right, yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: definitely. And from my own experience... being below with yourselves Um, the integration session after using a plant medicine is probably as strong as the plant medicine itself when you use it because things start to make sense to you because the the people that work below in the mastery in Walford they sit down and they go over the process they go over the night with you and they're there for you you and it they, they talk about stuff then that has gone on with you and you, for, my, for me my own experience I felt so comfortable just talking about what was going on for me because I knew these people would understand because they had done it themselves you know I knew exactly and um, that's when things made sense from the night before because the yes. night before was just like I didn't do ayaboga i i do i i used ayahuasca yeah and we'll get to that a, a bit but um what i my, what i wanted to say is before i interrupted you was about iboga a lot of people um don't understand the difference between a plant medicine and say for instance a psychedelic drug or something like that and mm. um, so I just thought it was important to just for maybe ask you to explain it to the people that these are completely different from your Class A psychedelic drugs. These
2: are not, yeah, we, we would never con- call them drugs. We yeah. wouldn't consider. And, and the way that we would describe the way that we use these medicines is the conscious use of ayahuasca, the conscious use of iboga, the conscious use of cambo. Yopo. these are all the other plant medicines that we use in the in the retreat center in in waterford um, and it's about putting consciousness on the fact that we're using this as a healing accompaniment mm-hmm. to the integration and you're right tim the most important it it's actually in my view much more important than the ayahuasca session is the integration session the ayahuasca session can often leave you a little bit open and confused. What the hell is going on here? What was that all about? And we have a team of facilitators that have gone through intensive training in a conscious school, we call it. That's another branch of Beyond Inner is a conscious school. And there we we learn how to support other people to make sense of what's going on and to let's say, touch on maybe a deep wound within that they were unaware of before, which is very often the cause, as I was saying at the beginning, it's Mm. about finding that cause that you have become the effect of.
1: Mm.
2: And basically living beyond that, living without it, you know, moving forward, you accept this is what happened, you know, like you've done, Tim, things Mm. that happened to you in your early childhood. Mm. It's not about saying whether something's right or wrong, whether it's justified. You know, as long as you're making a judgment on those experiences or traumas that you had, you're never going to get anywhere. You're always going to say, that was not okay. Mm -hmm. You know, that wasn't right. It wasn't justified because then that's, that's coming at it with making a judgment. Was this right or wrong? Well, no, of course it wasn't right you know
1: there has to be a time to move on then to but,
2: but what we can do is look at it from a form of acceptance because what happens when you're saying that everything was wrong you're kind of rejecting that part of your life that part of yourself and and saying that just didn't happen I'm in denial of that I'm rejecting it it, it was wrong there was an error there you know and and therefore my conclusion is that the world is a dangerous place. There's no justice. There's an error here and everything is imperfect. Mm. And that's the, the way that you're, you know, based on that wound. That's the way that you see life because that's what that wound taught you. Whereas what we invite people to do is go, okay, it happened. There's nothing you can do to change the past. And as long as you're going to try to change the past, you're going to live in Depression. And this is how some people go, oh, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to the past all the time, wishing it was different. And it's like...
1: It's like bringing up all those emotions consistently. Every time you go into your past, you're bringing up these emotions constantly. You
2: know? I wish it was different. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And you're trying to portray a future, then visualize a future. The opposite. Yeah. (laughs) Because you're thinking of your past and you can't picture yourself in this future because you're not worthy of it because of what has happened in your past.
2: Exactly. So it's a process, you know? So it's like contacting that wound, accepting that that happened. Accept it. Because if that didn't happen, then the next parts of my life wouldn't happen mm. to bring me to search to bring me to find out more to bring me to this point now where I'm actually finding out who I really am mm. you know yeah. so maybe it was perfect maybe we can actually accept everything that happened to us as perfect because we're here in this life to experience it doesn't it's not about judging whether the experience is good or bad yeah it's about experience finding out who we are through these experiences or finding out who we're not and that's the point so we take people through that acceptance of their life up until this point
1: That's really a great relief it's a huge step (laughs) like um during my ayahuasca experience and you were there um, with me during the experience it was um I was ready for it, and we spoke about this before we um, started the podcast. I was actually ready for that experience there and then, you know. Um, And when I took the plant medicine, I just went straight into the experience. And we, we spoke about this. It was the first time I ever experienced love in my life, like... Like, I'm, I'm 39 years of age. I, I used ayahuasca. I got it, actually, as a Christmas present out my wife last year. And I went down and... Like, for me to feel something like that... Like it was my first time ever feeling it because of my own stuff that went down mm. when I was a you kid. You wouldn't
2: allow yourself to I just com-
1: I completely cut off from everything. And to be able to feel... I'm telling you know. I never experienced anything like this in my life and it's still with me every day and any time there's this bit of hardship that's going on for me, a bit of a struggle and I have this kind of motherly figure behind me just kind of saying, it's okay my baby it's it's okay, I'm here and you know, and it's like I just I get that little bit of encouragement and the chest goes back up and I'm ready to face life again you know, it's changed my whole life yeah it was my first time I, I ever. Experiencing ever, love. Ever. And I was able to go home then to my family, my wife, who I never accepted love from. Never. I I could never do it because I didn't know how to accept it and I didn't know how to give it. I was very good at saying I love you, and which I did because I would have gave my own life for my wife or kids. But in terms of being really able to say, do you know what, I love being with her. I love being with my kids, you know, I love just being here, oh, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I put my bags down, at that time I didn't want to run away anymore, yes. because I always wanted to run, I always wanted, It was always looking for the escape, like I was in, in, in addiction, Yes. the yes. first argument, I was gone out the door, mm-hmm. I was drinking, drugging, whatever else, and in recovery, I would have done the same. I can't handle this no more I'm, I'm leaving i'm gonna I'm gonna find my own place but after all this, it was like this is this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. I was told my wife was my soul mate. that was another massive thing for me you know she's the person I'm supposed to be with and know it makes it makes a lot of sense to me because she was with me through the whole lot of my madness. And she stuck by me through every prison, and um, courts, guards, fights over drug, mad drug-filled uh, binges, all these different things. And uh, like a lot of people would say, "Why, why not you take off there and then?" Like nobody would put up with that. She says, "I could, I could see something different. Huh? You know, I, I could see the difference." And no, she's. No, she's, I'm hoping that uh, she's quite happy that she's made the right decision. I know she is because she's a very happy woman. We have a great life. Yeah. You know, we have a great life. We have two lovely kids. But I, this is a very, very important point for me to make here. I um, would have gotten help from social workers, or not social workers, from counsellors, psychotherapists and psychologists, in, in the last six years you know from 2012 up till maybe 2018 is when I stopped I would have gotten an awful lot of help in them and I learned a lot about why I was the way I was why I felt like I was no good and I was bad and all these different things you know I wasn't worthy I was stupid you know and after that um, after my session all that changed you know um I know I've I feel I have that bit of a love within me that I don't I, I don't need to feel all these different things. And I've a bit of acceptance as well about <laughs> before I used to think oh child what now the drugs are after doing the damage to my mind. You know, but no I said, Do you know what? Maybe you're not supposed to be very smart, you know, you know, maybe you're not supposed to read that book but um They've been a massive, massive influence in my life, um, particularly the ayahuasca, and I've only done it once, you know, um, and uh, I, everybody I talk to, I only speak to people that I think are would understand a little bit, because sometimes, like, when you start talking about plant medicines to people, they really don't understand it, and I had to be very, very careful as well with me being in recovery from... From, from from drugs and stuff and I had to explain it to my wife but when she see me walking in the door the day after the retreat I was gone for three days she was what what's have to happen here who are you, and, uh, <laughs> you know, my life just changed you know I had a lot more life life in me and energy and um, you know I, I just felt like I had, to, I had to just maybe tell people about my experience with it little bit. Um and I'll let you carry on and talk a little bit more. Because I've like
3: been there. Um I remember before Timmy done that retreat, Timmy was in recovery for a while. But he was still a bit manic, do you know? Yeah. Kinda from the heart still um kinda you, you could sense his, his head was racing, you know. And I didn't see Timmy for a while, you because know, the two of us were studying and working, and whatever. I met Timmy then he was so fuck, the way he is now so calm, mellow was like what's the difference? And this was the only kind of difference. Now the meditation is a big part in it as well, but whatever happened down there, mm-hmm. he came out a more calmer version yeah. and a more accepting version of his life and experiences. So I don't know—is there an explanation of how that actually works, or why? Why should we explain it? It works. It's like you press the switch; the light bulb comes on. We don't care what the inner workings of it. Just what yeah. we know is that it works. You know? Yeah. So it's amazing though
2: and you know it works if you're if you're open and want to, it's the same even as the people that are coming with addiction that need to be ready to change their lives somebody that's living in depression um maybe feeling the victim it's very difficult to give up that identity of the victim mm-hmm. when you have the possibility but you you have identified with that victim for 20 years so if i'm not the victim then who am i this would be the question people are asking. And sometimes they search to find the answer. And sometimes they just go back to being the victim. And I've seen that as well, you know. And it's not, it's not that the medicine does anything for you. It's not that we do anything for you. It's that you go there in order to see what... You know, looking for change usually... People are looking for change or they're looking for something to be um, fuller, better, you know, more More whole. whole. Yeah. Yeah. And a word like, say, for example, the retreat that I just finished yesterday, um, the word a lot of people used at the end of it was freedom. Mm. Freedom from self, freedom from blockages that are holding you down, keeping you in depression. Free freedom from from drugs. Some of the people there had to come and, um, you know, decided to change. And and this can happen with ayahuasca and cambo and bufo as well. It doesn't need to be iboga, for for addiction issues. You know, it can be either or. It's just because of this whole thing with the receptors with iboga, yeah. it, it gives a big boost and supports them through. Um, and and I also should mention that. Um the program with Iboga also includes a, a night of ayahuasca and two cambo sessions because they support the withdrawal systems physically as well
3: mm. you know um i have a I have a vision now of my sponsor he's 85 year old Amen, <laughs> and um do you know like if you if you if you're taken out of the madness of addiction and you're delivered into this life where you have a family and you have everything you never thought you had, but you're still not content, he would say, you're just spiritually stuck, or you're spiritually unwell. And I know a lot of people like that, they've, no matter what happens in recovery from, they just, they're just they not happy or content, and there's, there's just something missing. Something missing, yeah. And I think, you know, if you've tried stuff and you're still in that place, it doesn't have to be like that. No. There is other... Alternative methods that can help you get past that yeah. spiritual sickness, or that, I don't know, it's hard to put it's hard to put words on something that's not of this earth, really, isn't it? Yeah, I understand yeah. exactly what you
1: are saying. You can do all the work you like, and all you can see all the doctors and, and counselors that you like, but outside of that, you might still feel like you are not worthy, You are know, not whole. You are not filling your purpose in life. You know, Um and for me, that's where these ayahuasca came into play, Um it just surpassed my ego um, and everything that was going on in my life and all these influence and experience, and just gave me the clarity of, of, of information that I really, really needed to be able to say, Do you know what, it's actually okay, you know, it's okay, like you know, and um, you're doing your best. You know, and um, and you get information as well about other things that are going on in your life. Like we spoke about stuff that happened to me as well. And you know, I got certain information about different people in my life, and and you know, without sounding like somebody that's clairvoyant, it actually it actually worked out the way it did. Say it, mm-hmm. I was told to keep an eye on certain people in my life, and. How was the information delivered to you? How, how did you
3: experience
1: that? I I was lying down and we had a little... In the room that we have in the centre, um, It's it's there's mattresses down and blankets and, and there's buckets put down by your bed. And you're given uh, three cups at individual times. Um, and you just you lie down for me i i completely surrendered directly straight into the plant medicine and i did from day one i knew it that this was I, i knew i was meant to be there and that's why i went straight into um my experience you know um and if I'd done three nights my first night was completely whoa, I just started receiving information. I felt the first thing that happened to me, I, I got I had this motherly figure. Not a visual and it wasn't talking to me. It was like there was no polarity, there was no duality, there was nothing like that, there was no left, right, wrong, there was none of that. It was just this information just coming straight into my head and it was just love. I was being told that I was that I was Loved, um, that I was special, that I was... <laughs> no, I don't want to sound big-headed or anything, but sh- this this motherly figure is telling me that I was special, that I was her special boy. And, and I suppose I am, too. We all are in our own way. This yeah. is the point. You know, we yeah. all are. But um I felt a lot of sadness, too. And my explanation of that sadness now is the sadness that little boy that was going through all these traumatic experiences as a young child felt and this is very important because this stuck with me since my session below in a a mastery was I was actually given a new heart now as mad as that may sound I spoke to you right I kept it quiet to myself for a long time you know but my heart was it said my heart was broken as a young child and I was given this new heart by this female presence that Mm -hmm. was there with me and um, it was like I I was reborn and I was able to feel and love and all this but I was watching this thing there a while back as well I was watching another documentary on on, an ayahuasca retreat and this guy came on next morning after the retreat and he turned around and he says I don't know what to make of that session Jesus Christ I got a new heart last night, yeah, they gave me a new heart, you know, and when he said that, I said, Whoa like it, it does happen to people like i like i I understand no what happened like it was yeah. like when I was at that young child six uh, maybe seven years of age and and these things were happening to me, and um, I lost faith in everyone in mankind, God everything I lost everything, mm-hmm. and I was just taken. Then I built up the mechanisms that got me through my my adult life, you know, and I lost all trust in the human race. Um, so, um just going back to your point, theory I went off on a tangent. Friends <laughs> Like, <laughs> so how did you get? Uh,
2: yeah, how did you get the information? You yeah. just you yeah. knew it.
1: Yeah, it's just can't. You just it's just like it's it's not. There's no whisper in your ear. It's just you know you're connected to this person, but it's just. It's like, it's just, there's nothing else matters. You're just connected to the universe or whatever. Mm. And you're just getting this information. And it's the realest thing.
2: Mm. And the thing thing. about it is like, I'm hoping this is not going to burst your bubble, Tim. Mm. Right. But the information is coming from you. Mm. Yeah. The information is not coming from any spirit of Ayahuasca or anybody else. Mm. The information is coming from your deepest wisdom that you had all along. You just didn't know how to access it.
1: I actually believe that.
2: And you needed to know Mm. that you have the availability to have a new heart today. And you believed that, and it's true. You have the ability to love now because I've just told you, you can. Mm. Open your heart to love and love will fill it and you will be able to give and receive love but as long as you believe that your heart is broken it's broken and it cannot be open for love to give or receive so this is the point and this this motherly figure is you
1: it's me yeah and i believe that because it actually, as time went on, I started to really say, Do "You know what? That's actually, me. it's actually, <laughs> actually me. me. <laughs> it's yeah. actually my my own inner kind of being." You know, that's after being, that's behind all of the suppressed
2: stuff. Yeah. And you maybe felt that as a motherly female, as you keep saying, mm. motherly female presence, yeah. because that's what you needed. That's what you were missing. So you created that in order to trust that being because you didn't trust yourself at that point. So if you knew that was going to be you, you wouldn't have listened. That makes a lot of sense. But you created this motherly presence that you longed for and you trusted. She told you this information and you believed it 100%. And that worked until later you come to go actually that was me and it's all perfect because it worked that's the point yeah. that you were able to trust somebody until you were able to trust yourself
1: you know you know the way you just said um about the love about oh you should love yourself and all these things right um when somebody would say something to me in the past or oh, to me You're a great, wonderful person. You're lovely. You should love yourself. You know? But when you experience something so out of this world, like ayahuasca and that experience, you cannot phantom anything, phantom it not being real. No. It's the realest thing that has happened in my life so far. You know? Because I was was so aware and conscious. I could hear... I could hear the music that was going on in the background. I'd never heard music like that in my life. And then I, something whispered into my ear and I said, there's a, a love song on said, And then it just told me that uh, <laughs> that love songs, nice, really meaningful love songs are whispered into the, the writer's ears by, uh, uh, do you know, by whatever. A higher spirit or yes. something. Yes. Yeah so everybody else can connect to those words and understand them and feel the real deep love, you
2: know. I believe that too, especially because I've done a lot of mm. research through music looking for music to use at our retreats. Mm. And there are millions of songs out there that are trying to give us messages all the time mm. about love for ourselves mm. and about just, you know, so many things that... You know, I've had a lot... There was somebody at a retreat a couple of months ago and he was telling us how amazed he was by the music that we were playing there, you know, because the words are usually quite significant to just touch a part of yourself. And um, so, sorry. So, um, the... Yeah, then he went out and sat in his car or something and listened to, like, this CD that was his favourite CD he's listened to for 10 years. And he said he just heard the words for the first time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said, I was listening to that. It was telling me everything you've just told me in the retreat. That 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 CD was telling me for 10 years, and I was listening to the music, and I never heard the words. Yeah for what they really were saying, do you know? And I mean, that's a lot of what happens at these retreats is that just certain parts of us that are closed, we allow them to open Mm. by, um, you know, allowing ourselves to come in contact with trust, Mm. love. You know, with trust, you can then be open to love.
3: Believe in yourself vulnerable. Like we, yeah. we, yes. we can be some so closed off, especially when it when you're in survival mode mm-hmm. if you're from a harsh background, you're in survival mode so you don't leave yourself vulnerable. But it can seriously hamper your development later in life. So That's it. I think in a in a retreat like that where you can just leave yourself vulnerable, when you're open and vulnerable then change can happen. You know, yeah. you're more open to receiving information and new ways of being. But I just want to ask you. Yeah, one thing that's important is there anybody who it's not for or is there any medical conditions that would rule somebody out or is it safe for everybody i said
2: um there's not necessarily medical conditions that make it unsafe but there is medication that can interfere with the medicines so we would always ask everybody what medicine what medication they're on before coming and we have um, a few doctors that work in the organisation, and one in particular, we have, um, you know, direct contact contact with him. Anybody mm-hmm. that's on medication, we run it by him. And um, usually, with ayahuasca, it's pretty much safe for everybody. But with certain medications, mainly antidepressant type medications, are the dangerous ones. Uh, funnily enough. And, um, we might give a half dose to, to the people that are on certain antidepressants. Um, iboga is the, the medicine that has the most contraindications that there are some medications that we definitely cannot, um, give to iboga to a person, mainly antidepressants, if they're on antidepressants, um, we also um, conduct an ECG test before uh, giving iboga because during the process of iboga, the heart rate can fluctuate up and down in the blood pressure and we monitor the blood pressure and the oxygen levels of the blood and the pulse throughout every half an hour, throughout the whole iboga mm-hmm. process. So there is a medical side to it. Yeah. and And we have that medical information and and support. Um, There's also, um, you know, part of the process, just talking about iboga as well, is is that if somebody is currently experiencing suicidal thoughts, then it wouldn't be safe to give Mm -hmm. them iboga. Because the 48 hours after the process of iboga, you can feel very confused. You know, while the brain the neuro it 's the neuroplasty in the brain that's yeah. that 's making new connections, and during that forty eight hours you 're very vulnerable mm-hmm. and um, if you were suicidal going into it, then it, it could be magnified at that point, so we are very you know careful to talk to people about those yeah.
3: thoughts Do you know there's two um, trauma specialists uh, Bessel van der kork and gabo Mate and they write and talk about um, chronic chronic illnesses and diseases um, and autoimmune kind of conditions that would stem from childhood trauma or some sort of trauma like sexual abuse or violence or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that iboga or ayahuasca or any of the plant medicines would be helpful for somebody with a chronic illness related to trauma?
2: Absolutely. Um, I'm actually a a great example of that. Um, I had fibromyalgia. Now, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's something that many, many people are suffering from. Um, I had, um, like I remember, most people um, develop fibromyalgia in adulthood. Um, I was diagnosed with it when I was 16, but I'd actually been suffering since I was about ten. or sorry, for ten years since I was oh, about six. What's the symptoms? The symptoms are chronic pain in your muscles. Okay. That's the most uh, debilita- debilitating part of the of the illness. But along with that, now now that I know what it, what it all stems from, I can understand that these are all symptoms that come along with anxiety, irritable bowel syndrome you know Mm. fatigue and they call it like fuzzy head everybody from with fibromyalgia suffers with this thing where you might be talking in the middle of a sentence you forget what you're talking about Mm. you know they call it fuzzy head syndrome um but it's actually just i don't know i don't know if that's because of the chronic pain that you're in Mm. whatever but there's quite a lot of 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 symptoms that are all kind of in this group that make up fibromyalgia syndrome right and to some certain extent it's something that doctors are diagnosing because they just don't know what else it could be and the reason that they don't know what it could be and the reason it doesn't show up in blood tests and everything else is because it's actually a psychosomatic illness and that doesn't mean that the people are causing the pain themselves just for anybody out there that thinks because I would have been very annoyed. I I had looked into it myself uh, when I had the illness and for people to tell me this was all in my mind really pissed me off, you know, because I'm going, yeah, you really think I want this pain? You know, I, I didn't make this up. This is real. And it's a very frustrating pain like that. So it does cause depression The fatigue causes depression, you know, so it's a, it's an all encompassing disease. And basically it's your body screaming and shouting, help, help me, please get to the bottom of this issue so that I can let it go. And, um, when I went into this, um, organization, obviously, you, you know, went to a retreat to start with. Didn't think that I had any issues, to be honest. <laughs> I went there thinking I'm looking for spiritual enlightenment or something. I was searching for something more, you know, to satisfy me. But I wasn't depressed or any more than just the, from the, I I dealt with the fibromyalgia quite well. I'd had it from a young age. I wasn't on any medication, which is because I'm just anti-medication. When my first doctor, I was in America when I was first diagnosed with it when I was 16. And he said to me, there's no medicine that can help you. You know, there's no medication to give you. You just have to get on with it. So I just went, okay, you know, a 16-year-old, mm-hmm. okay. There is there is no medication. So later on, 10, 20 years later when I was in Ireland and I was offered medication, I was just like, no, I've always been a bit anti-medi- mm. anti-medication, anti you know. So luckily, I didn't go down that road because I had other friends. I was in a support group for fibromyalgia and all that. had other friends that were on... 20, 30 pills a day and just never got out of bed. Do you know, it's, and they were, that was to do with fatigue and depression and pain and the whole lot and just giving in to the disease. Anyway, so I came to my first retreat. It didn't happen in my first retreat, to be honest. It was the, the second one. I went down into looking inside, down into my childhood and discovered the, sexual abuse that had occurred that I had not remembered in my conscious mind um, because I wasn't able to deal with it. I was too young, didn't understand it, so blocked it. But that blockage was in every cell of my body. That memory was not in my conscious mind for me to be able to remember, but it was in my body and it was manifesting as this pain and it was this pain, then, was causing, you know, more pain, self hatred, shame, guilt. That's where I was living from, without knowing it. Mm. And that was that was the part of me that was making decisions in my life. You know, so, so
1: your, uh, during your second um, retreat, did that shift, Rebecca? Did 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 it shift completely, or? or...
2: Yeah, not so much during the retreat. After. But after. Um, And, like, I had understood that the people at the retreat were not there to heal me. They were there to support me. And if I was going to get through this process and heal from it, it was up to me.
1: Can I just ask you what you used during that retreat? What, plant medicine? Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca.
2: Yeah, Good. and cambo. Cambo. Yeah. Now, cambo is um, the secretion from a, a frog from the Amazon, and it's actually poison. It's a poison that they have on their back to protect themselves from predators. And it's an amazing medicine. Like it has so many physically uh, he's, uh, healing. Components like it, it has, a, a, it contains peptides that basically support our own natural healing process. But they kickstart it; they kickstart the immune system. Um, so when I first at my first retreat, I used um, I I took Cambo, and that was actually the first time that i ever felt no pain you know a moment of no pain
3: that's amazing
2: it's like it's what gave me the idea that actually there could be a life
0: Mm.
2: without pain it was right after the process like cambo is um applied through the skin you you make um little burns i don't know if you can see actually marks there on my arm from Mm. um where they make little burns in the skin and they apply the frog poison onto those little holes so it goes into your system, alerts the immune system. Um, it can cleanse the body. You can vomit. Uh, we do it on an empty stomach with just water in our in our system so that that's not so um, difficult, just to make it easier. Um, but um, yeah, so after the process, it takes about 20 minutes to go through that process of cambo. And I remember sitting there going, "Uh, kind of doing a body scan because it's (laughs) physically tired, you know, it's it's tough on the body, this process. So afterwards I was like, oh, I did a little body scan. and went, oh my God, there's no pain. There's no pain. I couldn't believe it. Like I remember as a child going, I wonder what it would be like to have a, a time with no pain. There's always something hurting me. You know, and all this, you know, so to go from that, it's like that gave me the idea that there was a possibility to not have any pain. And the pain was uh, reduced over the next couple of weeks, which is why I then went back for another retreat, you know, yeah. to go like, wow, can this fix my fibromyalgia? Mm-hmm. And while I'm not saying that Cambo cured my fibromyalgia in itself. the combination of cambo ayahuasca and me taking responsibility to heal myself and what I mean by that was to go in like I, I when I left that second retreat with this information I was in shock I was in you know I was in an awful mess and I was like you know I can't believe this happened and the first thing you do is deny and you blame and how could my parents, all, all sorts, you know, mm. all the questions and you want to know everything. And um, basically then I got support from the facilitators at the retreat um, and I started researching grief. I recognized that I was going through grief, that this denial was the first step of, of grief, grieving. I was grieving for that little girl inside me that something had happened. That wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I felt sadness. I felt pity. And, and eventually I, I learned, you know, I got to the point where I could accept that this happened. And, um, and then I went into the guilt and the shame and i I focused on it and I said I can feel the guilt here I'm feeling it I recognize it this is what it is it's here and it's almost like you know years of denying there was any guilt or shame allows it to be there and just be where you're living from but when I was able to kind of daily focus on it and go yeah I can still feel that guilt there and then because I'd kind of labelled it and focused on it, I could be talking to somebody about something and I go, oh, I feel the guilt there. That's making me feel sick. Because I'd already identified it, what it was. Oh, I feel the guilt. And it's almost like you feel it moving a little bit, you know. Mm. And I just kept on going, yeah, this is going to release eventually. You know, eventually I'm going to... And and it was the stages of grief that I went through, Mm. you know. And I remember then just feeling really really sad for a few weeks and somebody in in Inner Mastery said to me Rebecca just stay with the sadness as soon as that sadness is gone there's joy on the other side of it and I thought oh please let me believe that because Mm. I didn't think I was ever going to get there do you know Mm. and like I remember one day just waking up and the sadness was gone
1: it's unreal, it's amazing.
2: Yeah, like you said it there a
1: lot, um, about the feeling you got after the, the Campbell. Oh, is this what life is like without pain? Yeah. That happened to me too. Did it? Yeah, because I, I was always in some form of pain. Yeah. be guilt or shame or fear, that was my pain. And I still have pain like that because I still have a lot of work to do myself. Or I could associate when you said that there are a lot of stuff you spoke about there was so relevant to me as well because I, I believe like we'd suffer from a lot of the same stuff, yep. And you kind of gave me a few avenues there <laughs> for <laughs> myself to start uh, looking at, mm. you know, um, because without going off this, yeah. I'd, I'd like to be able to help people that suffer from the same stuff eventually. Yeah. Um. But I need to get through my own stuff first. You know, I'd like to be able to help people in, in terms of explaining it to them mm-hmm. through psychology or psychotherapy uh, field. Just the, the, like what I got from the first six yes. years of my life. You know, but I also know then it, it, that it was it took the plant medicines to bring me to where I am now with the the love... And the surrender and the acceptance, you know. Um, mm. You have a fantastic story, uh, uh, mm. like leading up to the, the your the plant medicines, your experiences with them and in the mastery. Mm-hmm. There was one.
3: There was one piece that, um, and thanks for being so open with us. Oh, you no, know, it's, it's brilliant that you've been so open because a lot of people are going to be able to identify with you. Yeah. But you said one thing that I found very interesting you couldn't recall, you couldn't, you didn't have a memory of the abuse, but your body remem- remembered it. And I think there could be a lot of people around today that have chronic illness, chronic pain, chronic everything, and they just accept that this is the way life yeah. is, and they say, sure, I was never abused, right, no, no, i um, Traumas in my no reason, like,
2: yeah, yeah. But
3: just because they can't recall it in their conscious mind doesn't mean it didn't happen. Yeah. And I think an alternative medicine like what you done and what Timmy done helps you to maybe tap into something that the conscious mind doesn't recall, but your body is telling you something. Yeah. And I know of people with chronic illnesses like that. The medic the medication in the world is just. It's taken- only
2: covering the symptoms. Yeah. And not even with fibromyalgia, you know, doesn't cover them. Because it's a really, really strong disease, you know, because it's, for me, I see it as my body was shouting at me Mm -hmm. every moment of every day, do something, find something, you know, change this, this is not right, this is, this is painful, life does not, the body should not be in pain all the time. I knew all this, but like, didn't know what to do about it, you know. And the one thing I want to say actually about you thanking me for being open about, um, about this is that, yes, I want, you know, one of my reasons for being so open about it is because I really want other people to be able to access the healing that I've accessed. But it's also about because I went through this whole process of acceptance and everything and then went through and released the guilt and the shame, I can talk about it as if it happened to somebody else. Mm. Do you know? Cause it's it's the- not me. It's not. It's like I don't identify with the victim anymore. I truly don't have any shame, guilt, or even sadness for myself about this incident. It's totally just. shifted. Yeah, it's shifted into like a story that I don't identify with. And this is what we're supporting other people to do with their own stories. It doesn't have to be as traumatic as child abuse. Mm. Um, It can be that somebody told them, you know, I had somebody come that was like held back in life their whole lives by shyness. And they eventually got to some point where um, they were in a certain situation and their, their mother had sort of said, oh, don't talk to him, he's shy. He doesn't like when people talk to him. So he got this idea that he didn't like to talk to people. Mm -hmm. And it brought him into this isolation life, this life of isolation, I should Mm -hmm. say, where he identified with this shy boy. and That was a trauma. Do you know? He took that on as his identity, and it held him back, and that was the identity that he led his life from. And now he's not shy at all. He realizes he was never shy. (laughs) He's a a social butterfly. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And it's just amazing the way one thing that can be said to us can condition us into believing that that's who we are and identifying with that. Yeah
3: we'll finish it up thanks a million for coming on the thank podcast we really appreciate it thank and you I for hope having me yeah no you're more than welcome and we'd love to have you on again sometime mm-hmm. um, and thanks to the people again for watching and the people on the Patreon it and, and everybody for their support and we'll see you all again next week bye
0: bye